Hello everyone and welcome to Battle City Broads, our Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast where we talk about every episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters as well as plenty of other things along the way. My name is Ellie. And my name is Jenny. And we're returning to the high high stakes, high in the sky, double duel. Um, yes, I have a horrible du- joke that I'm going to make related to high buildings. But you'll have to wait a couple minutes for that. I, I have a vague guess of what it might be. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think you know exactly what it is. And I'm sorry in advance. Okay. Um, besides that, though, before we get started, though, have you had anything interesting going on in your life lately that you want to share with the class? <laughs> Not Nothing, like, super interesting. I have two, like, little things that I think are fun. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, like, a little interesting. The first being I got my cat... Uh, Miso, friend of the podcast, you've heard her a couple times in the background, perfect angel criminal. For my birthday, I got like an aut- my first like automated cat toy for her. Like she has a bunch of cat toys on brand with her being named Miso. They're all sushi themed. But like, Aww. this is her first one that's like, it's one of those like electric ones. It's almost like the same technology as Roomba. So it like senses where there's stuff and it'll just like, you like charge Move it around. and then it'll go like, Wee! and Miso is fucking fascinated with it but not in like a play way she just like follows it around and stares at it like she does not attempt to engage she's just like what that sounds like cat behavior to me i know so it's i just whipped it out today so i'm not sure if she's going to like um if she's going to ever like acclimate and decide to hunt it but it's so funny to me like i whipped out my phone and i was like she's gonna run away from it or pounce on it and it's just like her a foot behind it always just going like fascinating fascinating other cool thing is I had a real quality lesbian moment in that I installed a foldable like butcher's block countertop in my kitchen all by myself. There was like a drill and wow. everything. So hashtag true dyke moment. Let's go. DIY around the house. A whole drill and everything. DIY. More like D-I-Y-K-E. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do it yourself. Do it yourself, kill everyone. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the lesbian agenda. Oh, I've gotta write I've gotta write that down. <laughs> Sometimes it's like there's just episode names that just like immediately pop out. You can decide when you edit, but like that's at least for me. I gotta make a sticker on that. Yeah, so do it do it yourself, kill everyone. I had a really good moment. So not huge life updates, but cute cat toy and a good countertop. So feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. How about you, Ellie? What's up? This is not a life update because it's so nothing, but it's just a funny story. Well, first of all, we've been having like these really intense storms here. So it was absolutely pouring like sheets of rain on Thursday. We're recording this on a Sunday, by the way, just to give the audience context when I'm saying about how many days ago that is. And then on Friday, my parents and I were like sitting at home and we start hearing this weird, really high pitched whining noise in our living room. It was like, like kind of subtle in that it was so high pitched that you almost don't notice it, but definitely loud enough that like you are noticing it, especially if you're in the same room. And so we're like, what the heck is this noise? And we eventually kind of triangulate that it's coming from, um, we have a TV entertainment center center type thing set up Mm -hmm. with an old TV that we never use and shelves with board games and some wild video games and 
and also our Wi-Fi router is hooked up, it sits on that shelf as well. So we eventually sort of triangulate that it's coming from kind of around the area of the Wi-Fi router, and we're oh. like, what is this? We thought it maybe we think maybe it's related to the router because also the router has there's like a cable that goes under the floor and then comes up. So we try turning the router off and on again and everything and then it doesn't stop. It, it keeps going on and off. Frustrating. And we give up for a while and then we come back because at first it just disappears. Then it comes back the next day and we're like it's back again. Yesterday my dad and I spent like over an hour trying everything we could think of including me going under the house, crawling into our basement crawl space underneath the house with a flashlight and like going up to where the cables connect under the floor to the Wi-Fi router and being like, I, I can't hear it from down here, but you can definitely hear it. Like we were like, it sounds like it's coming from inside of the wall. Oh my God. And we were like, what the hell is this noise? It was really annoying. It was basically like, ee. Today, earlier today, we took like one more look at that sort of area of the shelves and we discovered the source of the noise. Can you guess what it was? Gotta say like a rodent? No, it was very clearly like an electronic noise. Okay, that's it, okay. Um, You'll never fucking guess in a million years. This is the source of the noise. Oh my god! <gasps> 20 questions! Yes, it's a handheld 20 questions game battery-powered handheld 20 questions game from 2004 that for absolutely no discernible reason started making an extremely high-pitched whining noise on Friday <laughs> and once we found it it stopped once we unscrewed it and took the batteries out holy the shit. batteries by the way are completely dead it didn't even work so completely just mysterious. And it was like, I literally, it was like I crawled underneath the house in the basement crawl space, digging through insulation, looking at cables. And it was this freaking tiny handheld 20 questions game for when I was nine. <laughs> Excuse me? Let's fucking, I can't believe this. I can't, yeah, I can't believe this like schlocky thing from the fucking like early 2000s telltale heart was, plagued your house for days it was tormenting us that's so i don't know what that means there's like that's there's some symbology there i'm obsessed with that that's incredible oh my god it's like do you want to answer some questions i also found this old like neopets handheld game thing that was in the same box that i had totally forgotten about that actually still works incredible. and i turned it on again and i was like damn i remember playing this thing uh, yeah, so anyways. Tamagotchi ass energy. That's uh. my story. Anyways, speaking of being psychologically tormented via the means of a innocuous children's game from the 2000s. Segway. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad. That's a good segue. That's like, I'll put that in the middle. That's actually half decent because I prepped that in advance because I knew I was going <laughs> to have to tell you that story when it happened because I was like, this is fucking hilarious. You've been sick of that all weekend. Good, good. Um, today we are finishing up the second half of the Mask of Light and Mask of Darkness double duel, starting with episode 72, which in Japanese it was just called Unite. And of course in English it was called Double Duel Part 3. Um, it aired in Japan on September 11th, 2001. The only important thing that happened on that day, I'm sure. The only high tower uh, tension stakes event that happened on September 11th in Japan. <laughs> oh. 
And in the U.S., it aired on May 17th, 2003. Not nearly as fun. Yeah, I don't think anything particularly notable happened on that day in Japan. To clarify, I also do not find 9-11 inherently fun. Watch that be the day of, like, a fucking, like, mass murder or something and I just that I just don't know about because I'm not Japanese, but just don't, just don't worry about it. Well, now I'm going to look that up really quickly while you're still introducing the episode, but don't worry about it. May 17th in history. Let's see. No, there's nothing on here for May 17th, 2003, although in May 17th, 2004 was the day when the first legal same-sex marriage was performed in the U.S. in the state of Massachusetts. So that's nice. Wow, that's kind of related because in some ways this episode has a same-sex marriage. Yeah, I was gonna... Because... I was was trying to, like, reach that point, but I couldn't quite get there. (laughs) Unfortunately, you were like, I'm going to try and make an actually good joke. And I was like, I'm just going to make a joke. Unfortunately, you have taste and class. I wouldn't go that far. Fine. You have some. Whereas for me, it's just not happening. Okay. Well, let's get to the actual episode summary. So we're starting off pretty much, we're starting off right where we picked up last week. I feel like I say that every week and it's like, yeah, no shit. That was last week's episode and this is this week's episode. I should stop saying that. You should ban me from saying we're starting off where we left off, we're picking up where we left off last week. It doesn't add any value to the conversation. (laughs) Next time you do it, I will hire a sniper and to shoot you at your house. Okay. Easy. Yami is, like, wondering if after what's happened, maybe Kaiba has learned the meaning of cooperation and unity in dueling. Spoilers, he hasn't, because even though last time they pulled off this great combo with, by helping each other out, Kaiba's like, I get it, I have to use you in order to win, and I don't owe you anything from here on out, so don't expect me to help you with my blue eyes that I've managed to summon. Which is just classic Kaiba behavior, of course. But at least he is actually doing something useful. Yeah, don't worry. He does kind of get there in this episode. We'll we'll talk about it more as it progresses. (laughs) We fucking will. Oh, it's so good. Kaiba doesn't seem like he would be able to attack because they are... I forgot why. It doesn't seem like he would be able to attack. Doesn't (laughs) matter. Don't worry about it. Um... Because of something to do with the mask guy's cards, I don't know, I don't remember. But Yami's like, trust me, you should attack them anyway. So Kaiba reluctantly tries it, and it works. But why? Well, it's because one of the cards that was discarded from Yami's hand, it has an effect where if it's discarded, then it'll, like, debuff the opponent's monster. I'm not sure why this happened entirely in the background without this effect activating being, like, apparent to anybody except Yami who already knew about it, other than for drama, but, like, okay, I guess. And then Yami says to him, this is the power of cooperation, and then we get Kaiba's inner thought, cooperation is stupid, this is just me taking orders from him, which I was, I did laugh at. God damn it, Kaiba, god damn it. He's like taking anyone's advice is the same as being ordered around. God damn it. Go to therapy. Go to therapy. Cut to the warehouse where Mokuba and Anzu have been kidnapped and are being held captive. Also, we see where Jinochi is, presumably nearby, but just in a different warehouse. Jinochi is tied to a chair and 
who should enter the room but uh, Rashid, Merrick's second-in-command, the man with the tattooed face who we've seen before. Genochi kind of gives him some sass about how, like, you, if you think capturing me is gonna help you get Yugi, Yugi will never give up that easily. But Rashid just kind mm-hmm. of looks at him, he holds up his hand in front of Genochi's face, and Genochi gets possessed by Merrick's mind control powers. You can tell he's possessed because in anime, as everyone knows, being possessed means that the details of how your eyes are drawn disappear and they just turn into a big circle. He's got no pupil disease. I'm so worried. And then we see uh, Anzu and Vokuba. They're talking about whether or not it'll be possible for them to get out. And Anzu is like, I bet we could get you out. Maybe not me. And they manage to stack up a bunch of boxes in order for Mokuba to climb up on top of them and with Anzu's assistance like pushing him up, Mokuba successfully manages to escape out of this little skylight window. Sorry, what I wrote was she just knew that her ass was a little too fat. (laughs) She wouldn't be able to fit through the window. This is what happens when you have a dumper that just won't quit. You can't leave evil warehouses. Unfortunately, Taya probably has a lot of experience with evil gamer warehouses and she knows. She won't sacrifice her great butt, but she's just, you know, it's just tragic. Yeah, so Mokuba manages to get out just as a bunch of the rare hunters are, like, running in the door, but then Anzu doesn't, and then all these boxes fall down, and she collapses onto the cardboard boxes, and Mokuba's like, oh no, I hope she's okay. And Meanwhile, back in the duel, mask guys have debuffed Kaiba's blue eyes with a trap card, but Yami jumps in with his own trap card to protect it from being destroyed. Uh, hang on a second, let me... There was a bit that I wanted to, like, read the dialogue here. Ooh, I'm curious what you're talking about, because I don't have any notes, particularly interesting notes to this section, so I'm guessing the dub is very boring. (laughs) Yeah, Kaiba goes into this weird internal monologue thing, and it's cutting kind of rapidly between, like, him, the blue eyes, and the duel, and it gives the impression that he's, I don't know, kind of having a lot of thoughts right now, I guess. Many thoughts. Mm-hmm. And this is the the line is, What is power? Power. I've lived up until my life till now by one thing only, and power was a thing I've always believed in. In a fight, everyone else is your enemy, and power is the weapon used to crush your enemies. The power of unity and cooperation can this overcome that belief. It's delivered a lot more dramatically than how I just said it, of course. <laughs> Damn, that's way cooler Mm -hmm. i will say at this moment i'm pretty sure it's hard to sync up because like the dialogue is very repetitive in the dub i'll probably talk about this when we talk about like how i feel about these last two episodes for this duel but like in this case i think this is the turning point in the dub where he's like oh it looks like i will there's one line where he's like oh it looks like i will need yugi's help to win this duel and that's sort of where he starts to like his inner monologue stops being as insanely repetitive (laughs) Yeah, I would say the same thing. I think this is the point, and I'm not really sure why at this exact moment, but I think this is the point where the repetition of Yami being like, we have to work together, finally sort of flips some kind of switch in Kaiba's brain. Mm -hmm. As soon as the mask guys, one of them, his life points are low and he's worried about that, and Yami recognizes that the teamwork between the two masked men seems to be breaking down. Because, uh, Mask mask of... Which one is... The short one is Loomis, right? He's not confident that his partner, like, would have protected him. He's like, what would have happened if I... 
Like, their life points are now low enough that they have to worry about a single attack being... Being, like, literally devastating. Yep, absolutely. We also have a scene that doesn't really... There's not really anything important about this scene at the moment, but we see Honda bringing Shizuka, like, on a train, and she's coming to see her brother duel. Something horrible is incoming, at least in the dub, but we'll see. Oh, okay. <laughs> this, is this one where they, like, talk, and she's like, oh, I'm we're lucky to have, like... They talk a little bit, but I think it was just kind of along the lines of, like, okay, we're gonna go see your brother. And I think Honda kind of had some thought that was like, wow, she's so awesome. Is there a scene where he, like, looks like he, like, starts crying a little, basically? Like, he's sort of like, oh. This in the dub, they reframe it. She's, like, talking about her brother and stuff, and he's like, oh, I'm just glad I could be here. And she's like, yeah, you're a great friend. And there's, like, a weird mismatch where he clearly looks like he's happy crying, but the dub has him go like, oh, no, friend, I'm in the friend zone. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to commit on a live. I hate this so much. No, in the sub, um, I'm pretty sure that the dialogue in the sub was... It's her saying something positive about her brother. And then Honda's like, that's so sweet. I wish she would talk about me with such affection. Damn. All right. Well, much worse than the dub. He's not bemoaning the fact that he got friend zoned. He is being like, damn, I wish this girl liked me as much as she likes her brother, which is like a little bit weird in and of itself. (laughs) But it was less cringy than that. Pain. Pain. Yeah. We've said it before many a time, but we're we are one hundred percent fully in the era of the show where Honda being into Shizuka is really an- is constant and really annoying. Absolutely true, and unfortunately, not really going away anytime soon. Oh no! In fact, I believe it gets worse later. Sometimes it's so awful and obnoxious that it like almost like becomes almost loops camp. around to being funny. Yeah, yeah, but not as often as I would like. So Kaiba attacks. Yami is like, he's attacking without thinking. Or did he? Because he destroys one of the mask guy's monsters, but they counter it in some way. I don't remember the details. And then he starts talking about how like, well, I attacked him and he was fine, but I could have attacked you instead. And if I'd attacked you, would your partner have protected you the way you protected him? He's trying to drive a wedge between them, which seems to be successful at getting under their skin. I love this because it's like, it's pretty much proving that it's like, okay, Kaiba really struggles with teamwork, but he is really good at sabotage. So he's like, okay, yeah. maybe I'm still struggling with being a good team member, but I can exploit the weaknesses in other people's teamwork. Because he's probably realized that like, these people aren't actually a good team as much as like, we mentioned last episode, they're very like, oh, incredibly complimentary towards each other. Yeah. Sort of saying, you they... know, that was an excellent move, blah, blah, blah. That was just a veneer. It was fake. They literally built their decks to complement each other and to work together in the game. But that doesn't mean that they actually have good teamwork as people, which is the opposite for Yami and Kaiba, who obviously they just have their own decks and are just doing their own thing. But they managed to get to a level where they're working together, where they're they're like on the same wavelength and are able to improvise working together despite not having like built their decks for a tag duel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cut to Anzu locked up in some kind of bondage chair thing somewhere. Jinochi appears in front of her and she's like, Jinochi, are you all right? But oh no, he's not all right at all. He is possessed. Ooh. Oh, at this point, 
so just as a preface, my subtitles that I'm using are, I think they're fan subs because I have these downloads of all the episodes that I got from this website ages ago that I just have sitting around. I was originally using Crunchyroll's subtitles, but I don't have a Crunchyroll subscription anymore and I'm I'm lazy, so shh, nobody report me for piracy. But anyways, my point is, these are not the official subs. But at this point, the subs made me laugh extremely hard because they have Loomis say, they have a blue eyes on their field and we have jack shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, so true. Me, every time I fucking have to duel Kaiba and duel links, God damn it, he's got a blue eyes on the field and I've got jack shit. Anyways... Loomis uses this some kind of combo with a card that takes stuff from his partner's hand to lead up to managing to summon their most powerful ace monster in their deck, which is the Masked Beast Desgardius, which is a monster with a very creepy looking design. I have to say, I'm not a fan of the look of this dude. Yeah, okay, well, let me get a visual. Uh, let me try to describe this. It kind of reminds me of a... Uh... Some of Pegasus's monsters, like the kind of like ribbed arms and legs. It's got like three, it's like the mask imagery. I don't know. It's very creepy. Yeah. I mean, I think that is kind of just the the style that Kazuki Takahashi defaults to when he's trying to just draw a creepy looking monster design the weird ribs everywhere type look and stuff. Like, Summon Skull also kind of looks along similar to this. That's true. Okay, it kind of looks like a... Yes. Yeah, but creepy guy. It has three mask heads. This episode ends on a cliffhanger of Loomis kind of cackling to himself and taunting Yami and Kaiba with like, which one of you am I gonna attack next with my powerful monster? Who's gonna die? We'll see. Who's going to plummet to their deaths on September 11th? Maybe you should cut that. I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> That'll be a maybe. That'll be a maybe. You can make a judgment call on that. I actually feel pretty bad about that one. That's bad. Okay, so next up is episode 73, Double Duel Part 4, right? In the English. For some reason, the name Absolutely. is not listed on this page I'm looking at. Yep. I think it's because they're like, you know. And yeah, it is Double Duel Part 4. Yeah, fair. And in Japanese, it's just called Obelisk the Tormentor, which didn't we already have? I thought we already had an episode that was called that when he summoned Obelisk for the first time, but hang on, I'm checking. Oh no, there was an episode that was just called Obelisk the Tormentor in English. Oh, you're right. Yeah, episode 54 is Obelisk yeah. the Tormentor. Oh, and it aired um, September 18th, 2001 in Japan and May 24th, 2003 in the US. One of the first few things that happens in this episode is that Mask of Light, aka Loomis, gives the most insane, weird laugh of all time. He was like, new and I was like, what the fuck? I fucking wish. But anyways, he's still like, ooh, who should I attack next? And there's kind of a debate between him and his partner about whether they should go after Yugi or go after Kaiba. And so Kaiba's like, please, don't be a coward. I'd probably thank you for getting Yugi's weak monsters off the field, but next turn my blue eyes would destroy you, so you should just attack blue eyes, right? That's what I would do. This manages to successfully bait Loomis into attacking and destroying blue eyes, Although Kaiba does take a moment to, like, pause and apologize to the blue eyes. He's like, I'm sorry that 
I had to do this to you, <laughs> which I thought was kind of cute. <laughs> Forgive me, blue eyes. Forgive me. I know. I, I trust me. I know that too. I was like, I was like, forgive me, blue eyes. I must go all out this one last time. Yami thanks him for being willing to use his card as bait. Yami says like, blue eyes, his spirit will be inherited by the next card I play, which I'm sure Kaiga appreciated. I like that they have the same sense of drama over the card. I was about to say, unironically, I feel like other people wouldn't, but Kaiba's actually like, you know what? True. I'm glad you respect her sacrifice. <laughs> And Yami's like, you two fell right into our trap. Now Yami can use some kind of combo to fuse all of his magnet warrior monsters that he has on the field together into this mega magnet warrior. Valkyrian. Yeah. But Loomis and Umbra seem suspiciously confident anyways. Yami hesitates, which irritates Kaiba. Kaiba's like, you haven't done enough yet to make up for Blue Eyes' sacrifice. That's what he says in the dub, too. I was like, Kaiba, I love you so much. You're a saint. Another somewhat psychologically interesting exchange, I guess, where Yami's like, do I really have to attack them just to appease your emotions? I can if you say so, but it's not the right tactics. You're giving in to your anger too much. And then Kaiba's like, what do you mean a fight is about anger? Which I thought was an interesting way to put it like kaiba this wow okay we'll talk more about this later but in the dub kaiba's just bratty sub kaiba there's so many where i'm like oh i get it also go to therapy (laughs) (laughs) literally i was gonna say there's a lot of lines there's a line it's not in this and i'm not sure it's probably gonna be in the next episode if because it was in the manga basically i went ahead like a couple pages when i was checking the manga so i think it's actually gonna be in the next episode but there's a line that i thought was immensely revealing about sort of his personal philosophy and life and shit and also had me like oh boy we don't have time to unpack that right now but um we'll get to that when Uh we get to it i guess He's like, wow, we're dueling, but uh, damn, bro. (laughs) Kaiba has Obelisk in his hand, but he can't do anything about it with... There's the the thing that the masked guys have on the field that prevents tribute summons. Unless Kaiba suddenly realizes there might be a way to get Obelisk. And he's like, oh, Yami's actually using his Magnet Valkyria as bait. And then there's a pretty complicated sort of combo back and forth that I won't go into all of the details of. And it ends in them taking control of Magnet Valkyria, which he's able to... Then Kaiba is able to play this card that he has that lets you tribute your opponent's monsters to summon instead of tributing yours. And he's like, the card doesn't prevent me from tribute summoning. It prevents me from tributing my monsters to summon. That's true. Oh. I also, I just, because the in the dub, he is very much like, he frames it almost the identical way, but like there's just one line where he's like, well, Yugi sacrificed my monster, so it's only fair. He says the phrase equivalent exchange, which I'm always like, <laughs> full metal alchemist reference. Probably nice. not really, but I was always like, oh. I can imagine, I, I was going to say that I was trying to imagine um, like a FMA AU of Yu-Gi-Oh when you said that, and it was kind of firing off too many neurons in my brain. I was like, I can't start thinking about that now, but that would be really interesting. Huh. 
Well, what do you think they would look like? I don't know, because how do you translate Yami and Yugi to to the FMA lore? Because there's got to be something going on there, right? I don't know. I feel like you could pretty easily in FMA be like, there's just like another soul in like another, in a body kind of thing. They could be like, um, Greedling. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Okay, actually, literally just a Greedling situation. My favorite shit. God, I love them so much. I love them so much. Yeah, um, Greed is my favorite. Ling is actually my favorite character. That's because also, sorry, quick tangent that is vaguely Yu-Gi-Oh related. Every anime or manga I like watch slash read, I always hyper fixate on one pretty minor female character. Yu-Gi-Oh, there's a good example. We haven't met her yet. Fullmetal Alchemist. Um, Lanfan. Lanfan. And she's actually very well written, important to the plot, and wonderful, unlike the Yu-Gi-Oh character I'm obsessed with. But Lanfan is like, it's so funny because people are like, who's your favorite Fullmetal Alchemist character? And I'm like, Lanfan, by far. And they'll, like, 90% of the time, they'll be like, I don't remember. And I'll be like, okay, well, those people have no taste because Lanfan's freaking awesome. And, like, and she is incredibly memorable. She's not that minor. She's very memorable. Yes, thank you. That's very validating and also correct. She fucking rocks. Ugh, I love her so much. There are so many badass women in FMA. You love to see it, really. I could do- okay, I could talk about Fullmetal Alchemist in, like, every way, and that it's, like, one of the few animes that's, like, actually tackles, like, racism in an interesting, pretty good way. Also, the only one that has, like, different types of, like, strong, interesting, well-written women. Not just, like, this woman can fight, so this is a good female character. Like, Winry is one of the best-written female characters in, like, almost all of Shonen and like is not a fighter and that's like part of her and like sorry this isn't a full middle alchemist podcast a female author (laughs) you hate to say it so true it also genuinely makes all the men way better written too so Mm -hmm. we do have to stop the fma tangent but i will say i'm really excited for um the author is like writing a new series i don't know if you heard it's i think it's supposed to start coming out sometime next year and i'm kind of hyped for it i have heard and i'm a little scared normally for another um franchise i would be scared but for this one i'm like i actually trust this with my life I think she should just be able to write whatever she wants. Anyway, Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, yeah, anyway, Yu-Gi-Oh. Kaiba summons Obelisk. Anyway. <laughs> Kaiba's like, I'll let you two see God one more time. Obelisk comes out. God hand crusher. He totally crushes Mask of Darkness, aka Umbra. Oh, and um, we do see Merrick reacting to this. He's like, oh. He actually summoned Obelisk. Wow. Noticeably, he's impressed. Oh, wait, quick thing. Especially in the dub, he's like, oh, he can control a god card. Mm. I don't know. I just feel like that language is important, but let's go. It is interesting. Yeah, in the sub, I think he said something like, this man can wield the god cards, or it wasn't as explicitly like he can control. That Mm. is something that gets brought up. I think it's been brought up before, but... We'll keep an eye on that as it goes forward to see how how much they address, like, what not being able to control a god card would look like. Because that hasn't really been defined yet. I don't really remember if they do, but I have a suspicion that they do, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Because Umbra's life points have hit zero, I'm very curious about how 4Kids does this part. 
So he falls to zero life points. He's like, oh no, I'm going to be dropped through the glass to my death. And uh, the glass below him shatters. He falls pretty far and then he pulls a catch and it turns out that he and presumably also his partner, although we don't see this confirmed, have like secretly rigged up parachutes tied to their back. So a parachute comes out and he is able to safely land in this skyscraper shopping mall area. And uh, Loomis is like, are you okay from far above? So if you remember the dub version of this, Instead of it being like, oh, you would just fall to your death, it was like, it opens up a vortex to the shadow realm, correct? I remember, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so you might be like, how did the dub handle somebody visibly falling down when literally they were like, this glass is a thin barrier between us and the shadow realm? There is a fucking hilarious visual where he is falling and then parachutes and the shadow realm vortex is just sinking along like 10 feet below him as he falls and then like stops as soon as his parachute it's like oh well we were gonna like have you fall and then the vortex was just gonna be at the bottom <laughs> like it's oh my stupid. god it looks so... it's another moment where i'm like eight-year-old me was probably like uh i'm pretty sure that guy was just gonna about to be like fucking pancaked but whatever <laughs> god that's incredible just some truly like lackluster shit it's like yet again we said this last episode but falling is not that scary to kids in fact maybe it should be a little scarier but like it's just inherently not that scary to a child like i'm not gonna have nightmares about falling yeah like falling off of a great height or falling off of a it's one of the most i would say it's one of the more common sorts of threats that you see in children's media you know what i mean like i'm thinking about like I don't know, the, 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 the land before time where they're, you know, on the edge of a cliff and that kind of thing. It's because it's it's because it's easy to obscure what happens when you hit the bottom, which would actually be violent, but to convey, you know, extreme danger that would not be that would clearly not be escaped from. So, I, yeah, I just, I don't really understand why falling wouldn't be something that they'd be able to show. Must, some rule they made a while ago, it's stupid. There is a very funny yami moment here where he's like so much for a death match (laughs) honestly i respect that come on chumps if you're gonna bet your life on a game you have to actually bet your life i mean it every time i've randomly bet my life on a game (laughs) kind of throwback too but i feel like this was kind of the same vibes with the arcana duel um, because, like, Arcana was like, yeah, I'm gonna fucking also have my, like, I mean, I guess he had his little key, but he did at least have, like, some, actually, no, there is not, I don't think Yuki, oh, wait, gay moment, I think Kaiba is the only one that has legitimately been, like, we are both putting our, li- like, lives on the line and, like, meant it and not had an out, you know what I mean? Oh, you mean, like, of opponents that, that, that Yugi slash Yami has faced in a duel? Yeah. That might actually be true. I think that's interesting. Yeah, you're right. I can't think of another person who was like, we're both betting our lives on this duel on his end. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Anyways, Kaiba's like, we should defeat and crush Mask of Light now. And Yami says, no, we should just tell him to surrender. (laughs) Yami's like, taking out a defeated opponent insults our honor as a (laughs) Dishonorable. And then Kaiba's like, crushing my enemy is the only honor that I know. And I just, it was just a very funny interaction to me because it's like, they're just bickering over like, what's the most satisfying way to beat this guy's ass? Which The sky lights up with just the words of therapy. (laughs) 
And meanwhile, the guy, the guy that they're debating how to beat is, like, sobbing on the ground. It's such a good Iconic. Moment. Oh, it's always so good. Uh, Merrick possesses Mask of Light. He stands up and he starts to speak with Merrick's voice. And he says, so, you really summoned Obelisk. Kaiba is like, what the hell is happening? His personality and demeanor totally changed. Because obviously this is the first time that Kaiba has encountered anything directly to do with Merrick. Well, I mean, I guess he saw the end of the mime duel, but he he got there when Merrick was already fully in control of the mime guy, so he didn't, like, understand that the guy was being mind-controlled, I think. Mm -hmm. And Merrick is like, oh, it's the first time we speak. Nice to meet you, Kaiba. He also calls him Kaiba-kun, which I thought was very funny, because, like, I'm pretty sure the only person who uses an honorific on Kaiba is... Yugi, not Yami, little Yugi, and it's like, Yugi just does that. It's a completely different vibe. <laughs> I thought it was funny that Merrick is, like, disrespecting him, and, and Yugi is just, like, immaculately polite to everyone he knows. That's very on brand. That's very on brand. I also like how nobody even tries to bother to, like, correct him. I mean, I guess it's, like, because Kuhn is not, like, particularly respectful. I mean, it's, like, very, like, informal from my, like, understanding. My, my impression is that Yugi says that because Kaiba, like, was his classmate at school. Okay, that makes sense. For a very brief period of time. So he's a peer, and therefore that's how he refers to him. But yeah, I think for Merrick, it's probably disrespectful. So Merrick is like, well, this is all perfectly according to my plan. Now I have a pretty good idea of what's in your deck after this duel, both of you. And there's one other advantage I have, and he's like, Yugi... Those little tagalongs that you call your friends are now my puppets. We we see Jinochi and Anzu being controlled by Merrick and surrounded by rare hunters. So obviously Kaiba is like, where's Mokuba? He runs over and he starts shaking down the ghoul uh, or, you know, um, Loomis, whatever his name was. I can't remember. I keep forgetting which one is which of the mask guys. It literally doesn't matter. This one's Loomis. But they're like so clearly and obviously visually coded that I feel stupid for forgetting which one is which. Um, I will say they're just so interchangeable. One last thing, as Merrick sort of leaves Loomis's body, there was one really fun mind where Yugi was like, you don't have to do this. You can just come face me. And Merrick in the dub just goes, but controlling minds is so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you wish you were Pegasus, but also that's funny. You'll get, you'll, that's funny. I got a laugh from me. You get a laugh. You get a chuckle. Fine. He's like, I'm Fine. just having a good time. I'm just having a laugh about it. I'm just being a funny little guy. <laughs> He's just a funny guy. He's enjoying himself. <laughs> so he comes over and he starts shaking him, shaking down Loomis and Yami comes up and is like, hey, there's no point. This guy is just a puppet. You're not actually going to affect Merrick at all. Kaiba's like, where's Mokuba? You promised to return him to me. And Merrick is like, I'm just not going to keep my promise. LOL. Bye. <laughs> Kaiba drops him, clearly frustrated. Yami says, I need to go look for my friends right now. And, and we'll find Mokuba. One last thing, though, quickly that we need to do. He goes over and he takes the two locator card that the mask guy had. It's convenient that he was the one who had them and not Umbra, because otherwise they would have had to, like, go all of the way down inside of the skyscraper to get them. <laughs> I didn't think about that. I didn't think about it until just now when I said it, but... Logistics. So he gets them, and then he, he, he says, I'll take one of these and you take the other. And he's like, you know... 
this means that both of us have six cards, so both of us qualify for the finals. And Yami is just like, now is not the time to be talking about the finals! Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which I did find very funny. Kaiba turns around, and suddenly a helicopter triumphantly rises over the side of the skyscraper. Mokuba to the rescue. Of course, Mokuba, we all know, we already know that he rescued, unkidnapped himself with Anzu's help because they're both so competent like that. And so he's here, he's like, I know where Jinochi is and I've brought this helicopter and we're gonna go get him. And Kaiba's, of course, very relieved to see that his brother is safe. Very cute moment. There's a little bit after this that's basically just like Yami, Kaiba, and Mokuba in the helicopter speeding off to their next destination. But the episode mostly ends with a, I thought, somewhat like tension deflating scene with Honda and Shizuka. Absolutely. I was like, the whiplash. Like, you literally had like a perfect cliffhanger and then they were like, let's go back to Honda and Shizuka train chat time. It's not even a bad scene. I just thought the pacing wasn't wasn't very good. Well, and if we're speaking about tension breaking, I mean like, uh, slight spoiler, but next episode, like, so obviously they're like racing to save Yugi's friend now. The next episode incoming is a, a like, filler episode that is, like, a slideshow. Like a, um, what are they called? Like, when it's, like, a slideshow of past episodes. A recap episode? A clip show? Flip show, that's it. Oh, I didn't realize the next episode is a clip show. It is. We should talk about how we're gonna do that for the podcast. Like, if it's appropriate to skip it or not. I don't know. We'll talk about it. Um, before we get into manga, do you want to do manga differences? Oh, I didn't actually say what happens in the Honda and Shizuka scene. Oh, I guess something did happen. You're right. I forgot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I thought it was like, it was a decent scene, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. first of all, he buys her a whole bunch of bento boxes. That was a pointless moment. Anyway, she asks him for advice. She says, I'm worried that I'm going to be a burden on Joey because I'm just relying on him for my, like, courage and inspiration. And I'm worried that I don't do enough to actually help my big brother out, basically. Like, am I just a burden on him? And Honda's like, no, it's okay. You're not a burden. Like, you inspire him. You know, you two inspire each other. It's not a one-way street. And she's like, that's right. And it's my turn to go to try and give him courage. I I wrote her, give her courage in my notes. I I misgendered Joey by accident. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Joey could be all pronouns. I don't have any solid Mm -hmm. actual reason for this, but it's just what I'm feeling. Could be the return of um, drag Joey from that one season zero episode. Oh, God, (laughs) yes. I wish. But yeah, that's, that's the end of this episode. Four manga differences... These we can skim through very quickly because there's almost nothing. The only thing that I need to note is something that we essentially talked about last time. Mokuba being kidnapped doesn't happen in the manga. So because of that, when when Mokuba shows up at the end, um, Seto is just like, you know, hey, and he's just like, oh, big brother, I, I triangulated Joey's location like you asked. And there is a brief conversation. It's when Kaiba goes to retrieve the puzzle cards. Um, When they're talking about how they have to go find Yugi's friends, Kaiba says to him, Yugi, it's true, I admit it. It was because of teamwork and unity that we won that tag team battle. But in a real battle, you can only trust yourself. Other people get in the way. That's my philosophy 
as a duelist. I walk alone. That's my way of life. I walk a lonely road. The only one. Oh, so, <laughs> Sorry. True. so true, King. So true, King. Have I ever told you, Jenny? I know I've told you this. I may not have told you on the podcast, but that I am constantly thinking about how one time one of the Yu-Gi-Oh! animators posted on Twitter a link to a song and was like, this song reminds me of Kaiba. And the song was um, Behind Blue Eyes. <laughs> yes! No one knows what it's like. Ooh, that's so good. <gasps> Behind Blue Eyes. White Dragon. <laughs> That actually kind of works on multiple levels. I love it. Do you recommend listening to that song and thinking about Kaiba? Actually, I'm pretty sure there's at least one AMV. Um, so, hell yeah, there is. I, you just Let's reminded go. me of that with your uh, with your Boulevard of Broken Dreams reference. But yeah, so then Kaiba says to Yami, "Fighting to protect what's important to you." I have one thing to ask you about that. What happens if the friends that you're supposed to be protecting are turning against you and the only thing you can do to move forward is beat them? And then Yami says, I don't know the answer to that, but I do know where I can find the answer. Then the helicopter gets there and it's like, time to go. Because they have already actually heard the hinting at this point, which... I'm pretty sure it's been mentioned in the anime as well, but Merrick says something like, I'm going to make you fight against your friends. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's it. It's not really like a super important scene or anything. I just thought there's like some interesting dialogue and the way Kaiba was saying like, this is my life philosophy. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. All right. Well, what did you think of the episodes generally? I like them. I like it more than the first half because I really like the way that how once they actually start working together... I thought that they kind of, the, the episode kind of whiffed it on, like, providing a good justification for that turning point. But that Absolutely. after we hit the turning point of, like, okay, now Kaiba's like, I'm willing to work with you for this duel. It's very satisfying to see the two of them working together and, like, playing off of each other's card plays and stuff and showing how, how much they can predict what the other person is going to do. I thought was fun. So it was fun on a card mechanics level that -hmm. was fun and then of course i i liked the build up of the b plots with the with the kidnapping so overall pretty good what about you what did you think i I think that's pretty much exactly it i will say i think one weakness i really liked these episodes i think kaiba entering his gaslight era is always really funny (laughs) and it's just good but i was i think the dub this was one where i was like and and honestly everything you've told me about like the interesting absolutely insane stuff that kaiba was saying throughout the episode i was like the the dub did not do kaiba favors in terms of giving him interesting things to say or like digging even a little bit into like the reasons why he was being so difficult it was very repetitive like yeah. oh i don't want to work with you yugi teamwork is bad like it didn't get i don't know how else to say this it didn't get nichian it didn't go deep enough yeah yeah, it didn't get like, what the fuck is wrong with you? It was just a little annoying. But I still agree with all the other things you said about like all the good things. So it was like mostly really good. That was just like, in a in a really solid, really fun duel, it's, it's annoying when there's just like one or two things that don't quite click. You know what I mean? Yeah, and honestly, like, I feel like the sub didn't even go deep enough with the stuff that Kaiba was saying as I had wanted it to. So the fact that the dub also doesn't go hard you know even more so is like further disappointing Mm -hmm. so yeah i get that just a bummer well 
Yu-Gi-Oh! has been very good. As we've said, mentioned, even, like, the, the like, average ones episodes are really good. One of the best fucking duels, and this is, I'm going to say this four other times this season, probably. At least two other times Four other season. times? I can think of definitely one other time, for sure, for me. There's two duels, I know there's two duels that I can think of off the top of my head. Two duels this season that are in my top five easy. One of which is the next duel, and I am about mm-hmm. to cry, piss my pants, throw up, everything. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to have a great time. So look forward to that. This one was a banger. After we get through the clip show. (laughs) We'll see how we get through that. Uh, Tune in next week to figure out how we handle the clip show. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking, and I'm just going to throw this out there, but I'm thinking we just, like, do two episodes in one and probably summarize the clip show within, like, five minutes, you know? That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, because I'm guessing there's going to be some... Honestly, what's probably going to be happening is it's a classic... I remember this episode a little. And it's, like, clip show where it's Yugi and Kaiba in a helicopter talking about, like, all the things they've been through. And I think Kaiba's Mm going to have some banger lines. Like, I think instead of summarizing it, we could just be, like, Kaiba reacting to Yugi telling him about stuff. And especially in the dub, he's going to be like, "Mm, that sounds fake. Or, like, we could probably do that in, like, five minutes and then just summarize the rest of the stuff. But we'll you know what tune in and see that's always one of the more frustrating things is when there's a recap episode that's like just non-recap enough that you still have to actually watch it but it's not it's not a pure clip show but it's still like if you're binging the series you're like okay yeah i remember all this i didn't need the reminder all right well thank you guys for tuning in and we'll talk to you next week Yep, I think this is about where we're wrapping it up. Bye! Bye, everyone! Thanks for listening to Battle City Broads. If you have any comments, you can contact us at Battle City Broad on Twitter without the S or by emailing us at battlecitybroads at gmail.com.